Hi, it's Brian B. from the Sunday Night Funnies, and welcome back to the Sunday Night Funny podcast A to Z. Today's guest is Adam Daigie. We're going to talk about uh, that's what they call me. car washes and what's the best time of day to get your car washed. And, no, Adam is a local comic. He's one of the comics that just makes me LOL, laugh out loud when I see him on stage. And uh, um, it's been funny from the start, and I thought I'd have him as a guest. And just talk about his stand-up career, how he got started, what interests him, and uh, where he's going with it, and wherever else. And so welcome, Dan. <laughs> you have a, you're, you're doing it. You're sure. making it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm trying. So now, um, how long have you been doing comedy now? Man, that's a good question. You know what's funny is when you, when you're like just starting you you kind of round up the number of years you've been doing it sure sound cool three months all right make that a year right or, or i mean just i don't know five years but then the longer you do it you're almost embarrassed by it so you start running rounding down so i tell people 10 years but if i'm being honest like man i, I want to say it was like 2006 technically so it's it's been like 13 years okay um, granted, you know, for the first however many years, I, I didn't even have a vehicle to get around, so I don't really count those years. Well, there's still some comics that don't, so. <laughs> <laughs> there is. And, uh, you know, the first however, two, three years, you're you're awful anyway, so those don't count. But, yeah, I guess I guess over a dozen years, man. Almost a decade and a half already. Now, do you remember your very first gig, the very first time you got up on stage? I, I, I do because it was a, I mean, if you want it... Have you, if we're talking the first time I got stage, I started in high school, I think freshman or sophomore year, we had a talent show and I got on stage and did stand up and it had to be just awful, but I, I still have pictures of it. No videos on that. That was, that had to be 2001. And how, do you remember how much stage time you did? Maybe five minutes. I, I want to say five minutes. I remember I had a lot of jokes about my mom throwing stuff at me. <laughs> it, it was it was it was it was definitely a lot about uh, her, her being crazy and, and trying to hit me in the in the head with objects around the house. And then I also I also did a song I remember about uh, Orange Crush, but I somehow turned it into like I had a crush on a girl. It was really really stupid. But at the time, it was hilarious. Now, did anybody else do stand up at your table? I think show? yeah. I actually had one other buddy. His name's Spencer. Um, uh, he's uh, an Indian dude, not not uh, India, but uh, a Native feather, American. not that. Yes, <laughs> Native American, and uh, he's very funny. I wish he would have st- stuck with it and did stand up. But then he he went to like college or something. What a Jake college. Yeah, real stupid decision. <laughs> And uh, he actually just moved to like upstate New York, I think, for for work. So hmm. he's doing well. But I wish he would have stuck to it and did comedy. That was it, though. Just the two of us. So you knew, and did you know in high school you wanted to do this for a living? Apps. I mean, I I think I knew I wanted to do it. I I I guess maybe I didn't think it was possible to do for a living yet. And I mean, I I still don't think it's possible to do for a living. Not from Grand Rapids, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I I knew. I mean, I it was it's the cliche class clown like in the yearbook. I think I was literally voted like you know, 
class comedian or something. And um, I I was always just that idiot who cracked jokes, and I, I actually avoided getting my ass kicked a lot. Just by, uh, just by cracking wise. And... I mean, I, I would get into fights trying to be funny, but then I would get out of fights by also being the funny guy. Um, and I, I mean... Even now, I, I've just, I've always been wired, wired that way. I don't think I'm capable of doing anything else. Is what I'm saying. It's like I've always just had to, had to just be an idiot and do something that would allow me to. I was also a kid who was like, I definitely had like ADHD for sure, but was never prescribed anything. That's like nowadays, it makes it makes me feel like that's that's my biggest accomplishment is that I've never been. Subscribed to any drugs? <laughs> well, there's a few comics uh, who have pre- prescribed. Is the is the word I'm looking for? Because um, I mean, oh yeah. Did they call it that back then? Because I mean, when I was real... high school, I mean, I'm a lot older than you, but they we never. I oh, think, he's you know he's just uh, right. I th- I think your only options, even when I was in school, were like Ritalin. Um, and I just I think my parents took me to the doctor, and they were just kind of like something's wrong with him. But at the time, I was getting A's and B's, so they're like, he's fine. And then shortly after, those grades started to decline, but never never went back to the doctor and tried to get any meds. So here I am, all hmm. natural. Hmm. So, yeah, so from the start, you were wanted to stand up and... I guess so, yeah. I always just kind of knew this. I think that this is what I have to do. And after you did that talent show, what was your um, first God, it probably, comedy club? Or? I probably Grins because I, I actually worked at the Bob where Dr. Grins is located. Oh, okay. And um, what did you do there? I actually I worked in banquets. So what I would have to do, I wasn't in the kitchen, but I also wasn't a server. I was like the bottom of the totem pole. What we did was we like set up for banquets as far as like the tables and shapers and everything that would go on a table. We'd like set up the seating arrangement around the room, and we we were kind of the the mules of the operation. But I'd have the chef jacket just because that was the attire we're supposed to wear, and I would get out of work. And Billy Grin, the old the old MC, I remember Billy before that tall, gangly moron, and then that <laughs> the guy was on the bearded kid that's there now. Um, it was Billy Grin, and he he. I don't ha- think had any interest in doing comedy, but his wife was the manager and he kind of just fell into it that way. And at the time it was like, they had to beg people to get on stage. I don't know if the open mic had just started and hadn't been around for a while, but I can remember getting out of work and he would say, Hey, do you want to do some time? You know, we, we need somebody. And, uh, I, w- I, on occasion I would get up there with my chef jacket still on. Really? And I mean, now it's, you know, booked in months in advance and you know, you hope somebody doesn't show up or someone dies. But yeah, that's how I started at Grins. Was I, I? I knew the club was there, and I had a friend that worked uh, as a cook there, and I, I kind of got in that way, and then started working. Now, did you start to work there because you, Grins was there? You Absolutely, know? yeah, yeah. Because I knew it was on the same floor as the kitchen uh, was in banquets, and I, like I, I knew that I could meet a lot of the people as far as management and staff, and uh, I knew I could weasel my way in that way, and then I just for years was did that and I was around and uh I think my first my first hosting gig for at a club for sure was there 
But my first paid gig period was also there. They used to do this thing. This is how long ago this was. Um, Funny Business would have this spot after the MC, but before the middle or feature act where um, you'd do like 10 minutes and you got 100 bucks. It, it was com- it was completely a not needed position, not necessary at all, which is why it didn't last long. Um, but it was cool for beginners because you could you know do time and get paid for it. It was crazy, and uh, I still have the check that I blew up and put in like a frame and hung up because it was my first paid gig, hundred bucks. Like I, and, and even now, a hundred dollars for ten minutes isn't it's insane. Yeah, that's you know, that's feature money. If you're lucky. We regress now. We're going the other way. Oh, I tell people all the time. I don't know if there's another profession where the money has like been cut in half. I mean, you know, the 80s and 90s, the golden era, the boom of comedy, live comedy at least, um, you were getting more as an MC. Yeah, yeah. They than, were flying than, in that headliner sometimes. Now, yeah, we're talking like, you know, limousines and velvet rope. And I mean, not even in just L.A. and New York, but Detroit would have... They had like, I hear stories all the time about there was like over a dozen clubs and they, we're not talking, most rooms now are Friday, Saturday, if they're lucky. Um, a lot of them are going away from the Thursday shows. They just can't put people in the seats, but the the rooms then were like Tuesday through Sunday, just every night of the week and people would come out cause they gave a shit. And then, you know, television and uh, the internet and Netflix just ruined it. And now... We're at a point where comedy is probably going to be dead tomorrow. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's doing better than people think in a lot of a lot of uh, ways, but also bad in other areas. But well, I think with um, there's not as many. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. Uh, many comedy clubs, but there's more people doing like I think so. Yes, and- the clubs have just just through the Booker here in town. I know. I mean, when I first started hosting and featuring, there was literally at least three or four more months of work. So we're talking like a dozen to 16 clubs that have gone under. But there, there's, you know, these, I, I feel like there's a lot more one-nighters now that comics or, or you know, the, these smaller bookers are running as well as just, you know, the, the once a month or one or quarterly shows that people do. So I feel like there, there probably, in a way, is more opportunities for the people just getting started. But yeah, as far as the, the club work for a guy who doesn't have television credits like myself, there's <laughs> there's for sure less work, which sucks. But. Yeah, because like just in the last couple months, it was Spring Lake has gone by the wayside. Oh, and, and they that, were mean, there forever. Yeah, if you want to include one-nighters, we're talking, I mean, since I started a, like 100 rooms... I mean, so many places just, and a lot of places too will will try once or twice. They'll have two shows and they don't pack the place, and then they just give up. Or these venues that are like nobody showed up. You didn't try. You didn't promote it. Yeah. Really? If if all you did was ask the comic to post like a digital flyer on Facebook, that's not going to get the job done. Like these venues that don't even put a poster up in the venue. Right. Come on, man. And and you, you don't turn the televisions off during the show. You don't police the room and tell people to Got shut people up. playing pool in the background. Yeah, it's like you you have to at least on that night cater to the comedy show. 
But a lot of venues, it seems to be the other way around. Like, oh, well, these are our regulars. We've got these drunks here every week, and you, you kind of have to deal with them. And, I mean, okay, but the room's not going to last. And, and then a lot of places, just like, uh, you know, what happened with the, the funnies, I, I believe the same thing happened to Jack. Somebody just bought the hotel, and then they decided they don't want comedy anymore. Cause, yeah. you know, why would you want comedy? Why would you want to entertain people? And make more money than you usually would that night when you can make no money. When you have you know a full saying? house on the Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? That sounds stupid. I, I heard that about, I ran into mm-hmm. one of the cooks from um, the, the hotel it is now, and she's like, oh, we're dead here. Of course. I mean, not just on Sundays, who's but going, overall. Well, first of all, who's going to a hotel bar other than the people that are staying there? And I mean, coming from a guy who stays in hotels throughout the year... I don't think I've ever gone to a hotel bar, even as a guest. But if I knew there was a show there, then sure, maybe. Or if, I, if you're just walking by and you hear like commotion or laughter coming from the the bar, you're gonna at least walk down there and check it out, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very stupid. Stuff, yeah, Hopefully that place burns to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like the original home of the. We're not gonna do it, but I mean, you know, hopefully they got bad. Make sure we have alibis for that night. Bad ovens or something. So you start off at grins. How many times did you do grins before you like want to start doing some other shows? I think quite a bit because that was the that that was the one place close to home, and at the time there wasn't I don't think any other open mics in town there because. Wasn't. We used to drive out to Door, of all places. If you're not familiar with Door, um, don't be. <laughs> if you see signs for it, just keep driving. Uh, very small, hick town. I, I can remember there'd be four people in there, including staff. And there was these guys who would always be in back playing pinball because they had like a few pinball machines. So it was just loud and obnoxious. And these guys were like, you know outspoken about their racism, but their favorite comic was a black guy who came out. It was so stupid, but that place was terrible. But I mean, we drove out there because, um, it was the only place to go. And it, what's funny is Stu McAllister, who was on the last podcast, actually used to introduce me just as a joke saying Adam Daggy from door, Michigan. And then there was like an article in the paper, I think about funniest person in grand Rapids, uh, 2009 when I, was young and had potential and I won. Um, and it said, Dora Michigan's Adam Daggy wins funniest person Grand Rapids. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Why did I introduce I'm from, a, I'm from a much more, you know, uh, cu- culturally diverse town, Whitehall, Michigan. Whitehall, that's right. <laughs> I, for the longest time, I thought you were from Dora that's because funny. of that. And then it's like, wait a minute. I, I've been getting it wrong. Yeah, Dora makes Whitehall, Michigan look like New York City. <laughs> it is a no bueno, but. So it was door, and then you probably yeah. went to Connections a few times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We went out to Lansing and then Connections. I mean, it, that's another thing. You hear these comics now, like, complaining about driving places, and they they don't want to do this and that, and it's not everybody. I don't want to sound like, you know, the old man telling kids to get off his lawn, but it's you got to do what you got to do. And, I, and I mean, as, as much as I'm upset that I didn't move, Somewhere when I was younger, um, there is definitely worse places to start comedy than Grand Rapids. Because, I mean, I, I go around the country and, and, you know, places like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or, or you know, these smaller towns in Wisconsin and Minnesota. And, and just it's like, man, if I would have started here, I probably would have quit because yeah. there's no opportunities. 
I mean, none. You got to start a house show or get the hell out of there. So yeah, it'd be the same comics. We, we, or here, I mean, when I started the funnies in 2008, the reason I started was mm-hmm. Grins was the only place for open mic people to get on. They get on every three months and you get three minutes. Right. So I started the show to give somebody the opportunity to get on more often to get more stage time. And now there's two shows on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. There's Monday there's, and Tuesday. And we're Wednesday. doubling it up, which is, which is good for comics. Um, and I think they're far enough apart that they're not hurting like the attendance. And, and like, you, you know, you'll the, the thing to do now is all these, every comic is posting like their schedule. Yeah. And there's a lot that are mostly open mics and people give them shit about it. But you know what? Good, good for those guys for, I mean, they're driving all over the place out of state three, four, five hours to do these mics where they're spending money and not making any. And that's what you got to do to get stage time. And I mean, you're excited to perform. So make those schedules, man. And they, they know, because that's the job is the driving. The job isn't the staff. Oh. The job is the driving. Yeah. And I think that that is what weeds probably the most people out in, in the beginning. You know, even people are so excited to, to start getting paid, but then when they realize they've got a and And, you know, I, I, I myself, 10 years plus in, need to be more conscious about what I book in January and February. Because my God, man, there's been a couple times this winter where I I was like terrified, and I, and I've driven in some pretty bad weather, but like 20 miles per hour with your hazards on in like the UP or North North Michigan, uh, where like if you end up on the side of the road in a ditch or something, you've got no cell service. There's not a gas station for 50 miles, and even if there was, it probably wouldn't be open. So it's like, God, what am I doing? You know, you got to decide whether or not it's worth risking your life a lot of times. Well, poor Stu just last week coming back from South Dakota, and it took him how many days to get back? That guy has had the worst luck with cars of anybody I've ever met. Um, <laughs> so that's around the subject. I used to live with Stu, and he had this Subaru for a while. It was a stick. And his battery, it was the winter, his battery's old, so his battery kept dying, and his car wouldn't start. And I'd, I'd see him out the window just cursing. Ah, goddamn. <laughs> so pissed. And then he brings his car into, I don't even know where, uh, some garage. Um, and they put the battery in, but they put it in wrong or something the oh, first no. time. So... It's like his car like stops running on the side of the road. I can't remember exactly what they did or what the problem was, but it was definitely not on his end. They messed up. So then he had to get it like towed <laughs> back to this place. They put it in correctly. And then I shit you not, he's on his way home. <laughs> he hits a patch of ice oh, and no. I'm also on my way home and I, I go to turn down our street and I see this Subaru crashed into this telephone oh, no. pole. He like totals his car after all this other shit happened. And you just see him dis- dis- disheveled, like walking back to the house, just defeated. And like that guy has had so many cars break down and, or like he had a tire just fly off on the freeway once. So many close calls. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's, he's an atheist. Uh, maybe he needs to start praying <laughs> or something. Wow. Uh, 
And it was so, a couple of comics that they couldn't get over the Mackinac. They were going up north to go do a show, and they couldn't get over a bridge because of the wind. and. Yeah, snow. you don't know. I, I think that was Mary Santor and somebody else. Yeah, she that's was. That's right, yeah. And that, that's the thing. I think there's a website you can look, but, like, what comic's doing that? No, not at all. And, and, I mean, it rarely is shut down, but when it is, you're just fucked. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what else are you going to do? Drive, like, back and around Wisconsin <laughs> and Illinois? You're, you're just screwed, so the show's over at that point. But, yeah, especially in the Midwest, driving uh, and then And then, you know, you'll bitch about it, and people will be like, you live here, you've been here forever, like, you know it's coming, stop bitching about it. And I'm like, yeah, you, you, this is a person who has like a 15-minute tops commute to work. Would not you, even dream of driving No, you're not talking about driving eight hours to the UP or ten hours to North Dakota or all these places where you're on the road for half a day. And, I mean, that ten-hour drive is going to turn into 13 if it's bad weather, you know? So... And it's, I don't have a big frame different. of reference because I I started doing some stuff for funny business and then I got sick with cancer oh. and then I never went back to him. But I had a gig at, uh, yeah, what's the name of the place in Clinton Township? Um, Chaplains. Yes. MC. And I got 90 bucks Good for the weekend. Coke residue on the mirror. Chaplains. <laughs> so I'm driving three days from Grand Rapids to it's, Chaplains. For 90 bucks, I lost money doing that Oh, gig. man. Yeah, it's I, I still do some gigs, even headlining where they don't put you up. Like, I'm going to be in in Chicago at the Chicago uh, the, the Comedy Bar in three weeks, and they don't put you up. Or at least if you're not famous, they don't. So I'm sure they have plenty of acts they do give a room to. And it pays well, but so I've got to get my own room. And, and I've done shows in Detroit where I've just got to stay with a friend, you know. And, and a lot of times I'll... I'll sacrifice as far as, you know, not being treated well or, or getting those things if I'm headlining. But there's a lot of st- on the rare occasion I still middleman. There, there's some stuff where I'm just like, what am I doing this for? Like after gas, I'm not going to make any money unless I sell a ton of merch. It's like the roads are treacherous. You get to the point where uh, if you're a comic that's, uh, you know, beginning to get paid or feature headline and you're doing a lot of a lot of rooms you know you're gone three weekends a month you'll you'll get to the point where you're like am i doing this back to the schedule thing everybody just wants to put that schedule out there just so they can show like hey i'm busy i'm i'm working or i'm doing all these shows but like other than that there's a lot of stuff where you're like there i mean no room in the midwest is gonna have you know industry there so you're not going for that nobody's gonna see you you know, and, and unless the comic, the other comic has connections and they do something for you. Uh, and then it's like if the if the pay is shit and you're not going to make any money, that that's not. So it really comes down to how much do you love doing comedy? Because in a lot of cases, you're not making any money. It's not going to do anything for your career. So, I mean, I've, I've gotten a lot better at saying no, because in the beginning, I just said yes to everything and would regret it later. But. You have to say no and just kind of pick and choose the things you do because once it's not fun, what are you doing it for? You know. So, what's your criteria for saying no then? I th- it's if I'm if I'm driving over eight hours, really over like five at this point. I would like to headline. Uh, now there is circumstances where like I travel with Dave Dyer a lot. He's probably the most successful comic in town as far as credits. 
Um, I don't find him funny at all. Dave, no, not at all. But uh, no, he's unbelievable. Um, but I, I travel with him a lot, and we, you know, we'll 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 split gas, and he he prefers to drive. Um, and and I just like middling and opening for him. So I travel with him a lot, and and that that helps lighten the blow. Plus, it's somebody you know, and your exactly, with and it, exactly. So you're friends, and you, you talk, and, and and you have a good time together, but. It's just, and then if there, yeah, if there's not a room and it's more than th- three hours or something, I, I probably won't do it. Although I do drive home through the night a lot, but it, you know, it, pay obviously makes a huge difference. How much are you getting paid? And I, there's a lot of things I think that go into my decision. Being but, familiar with a room. I mean, if you look, if you look at the rooms I'm working, I'm, I'm obviously still not very picky. <laughs> But you, doing a lot with of, you, I think you like to stay when you can closer to home. Of course, you take yeah. some gigs at you know. Absolutely, and th- I mean that's another thing. If you're if you're in a relationship, you know whether it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend or wife or husband. I mean that that takes a toll as well. And I've just got a dog at home. I can't imagine what it's like once you add children to the scenario, because that's just you know I I, I miss my family. I feel like. Uh, at least my dog misses me when I'm gone. And uh, that sucks, man, because you're gone all the time. And as much as I think I envy a guy that I idolize, like a Chad Daniels and guys that level who aren't necessarily even like, they're not like a sitcom level of fame or like a Louis C.K. level of fame, but like as far as comics, they'll all tell you they love him. And he's one of the funniest dudes in the business. That guy's on the road like 40 plus and probably a little less now because this his kids but as soon as i think his kids are old enough he's probably i would assume he's going to move to one of the coasts or be on the road even more but it's as great as that sounds and as much as i'd love to be just at that level being able to like afford to fly out to places and i'm making enough money at these clubs because i have tv credits or whatnot you're gone so much man I, i i watch like you know i follow a lot of guys on instagram like bert kreischer and all these guys who are just they're taking tour buses and they're they're home with their family on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then they're gone just every week. And I mean, it's a, you're traveling with, I guess, one other comic. And that's another thing nobody ever thinks about. Once you're headlining, you don't, you're not going to see your friends that headline ever. Unless you're doing a festival or some kind of theater show where a bunch of guys are doing it, a fundraiser or whatnot, you know. They just be ships and passing that's why. That's why guys like, I think festivals like like uh, you know laugh at so much because it's it's almost like a camp. It's like a comics camp where everybody's just hanging out and getting to, they get to see each other. Big reunion, right? Other than that, you're you're just on the road. It's just you, man, in hotel rooms and I oh, God. As much as I hate driving, I think I would hate flying maybe a little more. Constantly flying to and from. Going through the TSA. And, oh, uh... yeah. I hope that I'm scaring a lot of people out of doing comedy because we need to we need to weed people out. There is way too many comedians, but yeah, it's uh, man, it's a different lifestyle. Like I said, it's you a really gotta that... love. Like my wife was just in Florida and she had to take a rental from like, where did she go? From Fort Lauderdale to meet another friend a few hours away. I couldn't tell you the other city, but she's, you know. All she's got all this anxiety and stuff, and I felt bad for her just because she's it's it's unfamiliar territory for her, and she's not used to driving, you know, out of the places that she knows well. And I'm just like, what? How do you think I feel? Like, I mean, 
so much driving and I remember when I first started, I was doing a game show and also doing shows at colleges. And I was doing the game show because it allowed me to do comedy at these schools. And at the time, I had to do like an hour, and I probably only had a half hour, but it was the opportunity was there, and I took it. And um, the first week I worked for this guy, who is this uh, enormous piece of shit. Billy. Uh, yes. <laughs> I went to like the border of Texas. And the border of Mexico and Texas. And um, El Paso? Yeah. And then I had to go to to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I remember putting it in my GPS. And it was like noon at the time. And it said arrival time, like 12, 19. And I'm like, 19 minutes? Oh, no. 24 <laughs> hours and 19 minutes. minutes. Like, oh, my God. And that's nonstop. Yeah. you're. The, when I was doing that, it was like. I was driving no less than four or five hours a night, and sometimes they they would mess up the schedule to where I have a, like a night show at eight or nine p.m. at some shitty college campus at like a community college in the middle of Arkansas, and then I would have another show six hours away at like eight in the morning, and I'm like, I'm how do you think I'm going to do this? And I'd have to call them and be like, this is physically impossible. No matter how, even if I was doing blow the whole time, like. <laughs> You can only expect so much, and then it'd have to change it. But yeah, that was just so much driving. I think it made driving now easier because it's it's never that bad. And and I would also be gone for two, three weeks, a month at a time. And now I'm gone for like you know a Thursday, Wednesday through Saturday, Sunday, and I'm home. But yeah, it's it's not for everybody. That's no. for sure, man. It's, it's a different lifestyle, and it's like being a musician. These touring bands that tour every year and are gone for, it's... Lots of downtime. I mean, it makes complete sense, at least for working comics, why, like, you're you're so prone to, you know, depression and, and mental health issues because... Alcoholism. Uh, right, you're only... Drugs. Maybe it's easier now with social media in a weird way, or maybe it's worse. I mean, you've got... Everybody's got all these fake relationships on social media and stuff. Uh, but at least you feel like you've got some connection with people back home or, or, you know, wherever they are. And you have some kind of, you know, not personal, you know, uh, in-person human contact, but something at least. But, uh, you know, it, and, and then you, when you add the element of being famous, which I haven't experienced because I have, haven't had any success. Uh, you know, you have these people who just want you to be that guy on stage all the time and only asking you the same questions probably over and over and over again. And you're just meeting the same people in every city and you just want to have a conversation. that's not related to right. being on stage. Right. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you appreciate the fans, but at the same time, God, that's gotta suck too. Yeah, like you said, it's got to be lonely because even while you're performing, you're not really, you're doing your job. And then when you're right. done, you know, it's not And like, I mean, you know, even if I, I know a lot of comics have, and I've been able to mask it and get better. Um, but just like social anxiety. Uh, I mean, I've told a lot people this since I started comedy in a lot of situations. I'm, I'm more comfortable on stage in front of like 500 people than I am in like a social setting of like 10 or 15, you know, depending on the people and do I know them and, I don't know. I think a lot of comics are weird like that. Uh, but what's crazy is there's a lot of comics where you're like, that guy can't be like that on stage. 
like an emo Phillips, and then off stage, right. like, oh, he's he's e- even more different off stage. Well, you know, I I emceed at Grins when emo was there because Stu yeah. didn't want to work with him, and him and I got along fine. Yeah, and he wasn't like, <laughs> I think Stu, for whatever reasons. Uh, Stu took him to radio or something one morning, and and you you guys watched the last podcast. We don't if you're not familiar with Stu, huge dick, <laughs> awful person. He's saying that not me. Um, no, Stu Stu's a very a very nice kind fella, but emo is um super weird about like uh, you touching his stuff, and I think. I think he moved his coffee cup out of like the center console to grab some change, and like emo kind of flipped out about it. Oh, wow, I mean, know about that. I think he's. Is it, is it? Is it autism? Is Asperger's syndrome, right? Something like that. I don't, I I I thought I he no was idea. fine. He was. You know, no, he's definitely different, but yeah, as long as uh, you can, you know, deal with each other. Yeah, I, I didn't. I he was. We had normal conversations, and I remember we we're sitting in the green room at the radio station. He's like, "What kind of shoes are those? Oh, those are Rockports, okay." And I asked him, you know, I mm-hmm. kind of try to stay away from comedy stuff, you know, right. and say, "Oh, did I'm you really sure. fuck Joey Canuda?" You know, <laughs> I didn't do any of that, you know. Well, God, he's probably had, yeah. Any comic, comics don't want to talk about comedy. I mean, that's what we've been doing for the past half hour. But uh, yeah, it's like when you get home from work and you work a nine to five job. Well, tell. Let's talk about your work day. Like, no, I don't. Let's watch sitcoms and have dinner and exactly. you know, whatever, have a drink, you know. So, so what, who are your comedy influences? Man, yeah, let's talk about something positive for yeah. sake. I mean, cause... all this darkness that revolves around comedy. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I've always. It's easy for me to say now, but even when CK was at like the peak of his fame before all this, all the stuff came out, I was always more of a Burr guy. Bill Burr has always been. He's always just been incredible. Um, but if I'm being honest, the guys that I grew up idolizing that really made me want to do comedy were were black comics. It was like Chris Rock, Bigger and Blacker, and uh, you know the Kings of Comedy, and even Martin Lawrence. I was obsessed with those guys. I, I knew I could never emulate a man, but we. That's when a comedy special was like this was. Before, Richard Pryor. It was before Netflix was putting out fourteen comedy specials a day, or right. just like, hey, we need a, we need somebody to fill this silhouette. Let's get somebody to do a special that looks like that person. Um, bef- when it was just like you had to be really, really, really funny, and um, it was, it a was huge like event the top, that, yeah, so. it was like HBO and Showtime. It wasn't. It was uh, quality over quantity, and it's kind of I think flip flopped. But um, and, and you were also like. There wasn't as much going on as far as comedy, so like you, you almost became more famous. It was almost like doing Carson, where it was like you, if you had a special, it just meant so much more. It was before YouTube and oh. Facebook. And- so I mean, it, we'd watch those things over and over, and you'd still like you. I don't even can you even rent specials on DVD at the video store anymore? Is that a thing? If, I, bu- if there I borrow is a fa- stuff from the if, libraries when they if have there is them a family and... video left in your town, or I, <laughs> I mean, could you, do they even have them like at, on in red boxes? I don't know. You, it's always the smallest section of any DVD. Yeah, is everything like, is uh, online doc- now. But the documentary section. You'd watch them over and over, and like the there was there was a small enough amount of comics doing them that like you know the the bits were much more known and they they were you know more iconic. And, you know, the, the, the jokes were like just, I don't know, more people knew those comics jokes. 
than now. I mean, it, it's crazy to me that there's so many comics that other comedians idolize and think that they're great, and you know, the average person has no idea who they are. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could do Conan three times, and nobody knows who you are. Because it just doesn't... Don't get me wrong, I'd give both of my testicles to have a Conan uh, credit or be on television, but it, it doesn't mean... Not like when somebody was on Carson. That was their career. Right. It's You're almost better off having like an Instagram or like YouTube or Facebook following. As crazy as that sounds. Because how many talk shows is there? It I'm, used to be Carson and now I mean, you know... The guy that I'm op- uh, I'm doing uh, six shows uh, at Laugh Fest this next weekend, and I'm opening for, uh, his name is Matt Belisai. Okay. And he is a YouTube guy who has just a ton of subscribers and a ton of Twitter followers, a ton of Instagram followers, and he, he blew up on the internet, sold out six shows. Six shows. And, and I mean, do you think of a guy who's been on Conan once, came to town, He'd sell out six shows. No, yeah, you could say, "Oh, he's on." Absolutely like, okay. not, because I've I've pushed for guys that I love that have been on multiple late night shows and have a ton of credits, and they would not sell. the The festival just won't. They won't even look into it because they know they're not going to sell tickets like like this guy is. I'm opening for it's insane. It's like such a, a different world. Um, and more power to him, man. I mean, I, I, I push social media and all that shit as much as I can, but it's, uh, it, it's definitely al- almost more of a deterrent to like really think, do I need to move to one of the coasts? And I think you still do. And if you're young and not married and you still have that option, absolutely do it. But now you do there's, some videos too. Is that the reason why you do videos is to be, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to, and I know a lot of people, they shit on it and kind of it, it's frowned upon because like most of these guys that are doing these funny bones and, and things of that nature that uh, did get big on the internet, they, they weren't standups maybe. And, and now their act is probably like they have a, a screen on stage and maybe they're, I don't know what they're doing, but they, the purists are like, Oh, this guy, you know, so they weren't stand up first. I mean, I could at least say, Hey, I, I, I've been doing this for over a decade and this is just how I was discovered. But so yeah, a lot of people shit on it. Um, you know, as far as like doing characters or YouTube stuff or all these things that maybe not everybody is doing. And they look at it as like, Oh, he, he's almost like you're trying to cheat or like take the easy route when in, in reality, it's, it's probably more difficult. And also, like, well, what are you doing? Because you, if you, if you, if you live in the Midwest, or you're not in New York, or in LA, or even probably even more so there, because there's so many comics, you really got to find a way to stand out. And then also, if you're a straight white male comic, you better do something. Yeah, you better do something. You've got, you better have a look and a shtick, and you better have a podcast. That and I, from everybody I talk to that are. Uh, in bigger cities, especially the coast, they tell you like, you know, these, these managers and like, and, uh, the, the, the people that are trying to find comics, they, they look for that. It is a thing. I mean, they, they, how many Twitter followers do you have? How many Instagram followers do you have? Is he present on YouTube? Like, does he have a social media presence? And a lot of the older school guys, 
you know, they, they kind of never jumped on that bandwagon and they just kind of got left behind. But you have to. And especially from Grand Rapids, what else am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. I mean, nobody, like I was talking about earlier, nobody's going to discover me at Grins. Yeah. Or at, at Laugh Fest. I mean, Laugh Fest is huge. It's an awesome festival. But the people that are there as far as media um, and industry, they're there to see somebody specifically. And they're writing an article about them. Or they're not there to discover talent. So... You, yeah, you don't have the, a ton of options, and you have to do something. And, I mean, also, if if you're good at it and you're that, – that's another thing that I think is uh, kind of downplayed or or people don't realize is you can – there's people who are good at social media and there's people who, who aren't or just don't know what they're doing. And, I mean, likes don't really mean anything for the most part, but, like, it, it, you know, you have to try this podcast – as an example, you know, you've got to do something. Yeah. Absolutely. Just do different things and have different content. That's what the Sunday Night Funny is. I try to post something almost every yeah. day and have something that people want to see. You gotta. You know. Because that's what, you know, that's what most, mostly everybody else is doing. And otherwise you're just going to, you know. And think with your videos. Fade I, like, away. I, I watched the one today about the, uh, the blanket tent, <laughs> you know. You think with that. Who knows? There might be somebody that sees one of these things, and right. you might something other than stand up. They might That's say, "Hey, the this hope, guy, man. he'd be like a it's weird sitcom." It's crazy. It's demoralizing too, because there's a guy you know who Brent Trahune is. No, he's the guy out of Indianapolis who he's had several videos go like I don't know what viral technically is. It's probably got to be like a million plus. And I, but I think he's gotten close with a few videos, and I don't know that it's done anything for him. I mean, I'm sure there's been like articles written in his in his town and like maybe he's gotten some stuff from it but it, even that now it's like it's got to be consistent it can't just be one video that goes viral it's it's got to be like a series of things and then you build your audience and your fan base that way but i think it's there's this um idea that like you're lazy or a coward or you're not really trying unless you move to new york or la you know like like you're afraid to leave, you know, but there, there's a lot of other things that dictate your situation. And, um, I mean, there, some people just can't do that. So, but I mean, if you think there's a lot of shows going on here now, New York, oh. and well, for all the shows, I mean, we're also talking about, f- you think there's shitty open micers in your town <laughs> times that by literally, a thousand lowballing in New York City and LA. So much junk, and I mean, you are starting all over, even as a working comic, in a lot of ways because nobody knows who you are. Um, I mean, it's you could do all the jokes you've ever written because nobody's ever heard them. But also, you have no clout. You're nobody's doing you any favors. It's going to take you probably years just to get into the good mics, let alone make any money and. You know, the club clubs, you've got to have like multiple credits just to get stage time. And it's there, there's a, a plenty to keep you away. But I think it is possible to create a fan base and have success without living out there. You might have to go out there at some point for like weeks or months at a time um, if, if you get opportunities 
through networking and other things that you've done, but I don't know if it's like the end all be all. Everybody puts their eggs in one basket, man. Everybody thinks you got to move to the one of the coasts and get on TV, but then you get on late night and then, and then what? Yeah. Cause there, everybody out there has been on late night. It, I hear so many stories about guys like they're in line at these open mics that are like these lottery based things where you could put your name in a hat and go there for months and never get on. It's just the luck of the draw. And they're in line with people who are like on Letterman and shit. It's like, you're here? Yeah, because it, it's it's just, you know, you get one thing and then you need something else. And then you get that and you need something else. It's just a constant, what, what do I have to do next? And it sucks, but, man. I think it's a, well, what you're doing and what some other people are doing is just finding a niche and right. kind of exploit it. Because if you're trying to go the traditional route. Anything. Yeah, well, you've got to go off the beaten path, man. Like it's even even with this stupid decky draft thing I do, I'm like, it's it's generating some kind of attention and buzz, and people are into it, and it's silly. And but you get like, a huge buzz from the guys, everybody involved with it. I think it could it. absolutely turn into something bigger that's like outside of just West Michigan. Um, just because it's social media, I think pe- so many people hate social media, and they don't understand why anybody would be on there as much as a comic is, but you have to self-promote. It, it sucks, and it, it, it makes you feel like you're you have an ego at times. And, and I mean, you, you can tone... I can probably tone down some of the political rants I go on, and, and I could cut that out of the, the social media, but, like, you have to be present, man. you got to be doing stuff. Otherwise, nobody's going to... No, nobody looks at websites anymore. I, it's it's more important to have a, a Facebook page or a fan page or an Instagram than it is to. I think even people that are like huge fans of like a Tom Segura or a Burt Kreischer or all these guys who are have a huge presence and a ton of followers on Instagram, if they are finding out where they are gonna be as far as their tour and where they want to go see them, they're finding out from Instagram. They're not they're not going to their websites. It's it's things are just so much different than they even well, were. Two I've years owned this ago. domain since right. day one, and I have never done anything with it yeah. because Facebook, is, I, right? You know, is you just get so much more traffic right. on Facebook feedback and immediate response. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're like selling merch, and I mean, if you're if you are a big name comic, then it is. I mean, I have a website that I made myself on like Squarespace, and I need to update it because there is still some people who look to see what you're doing, and even bookers to look at your schedule and whatnot, but like it is so much less important that you definitely shouldn't be paying web designers are going to hate me for saying this, but if you're paying like two grand or $2,500 to have a web designer, make your website as a comic, what are you doing? Do not. Yeah. It is not important anymore. And, and you can make one yourself. So there's better ways to spend that money. Oh yeah. Hookers and <laughs> blow. blow. It's why why I've always wondered why people always put those two together. Why is it always hookers and blow? Why can't it be hookers and math or like blow and? Well, math is for you know, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> and whatever, and uh, you're supposed to do the blow off the hookers. Right. It seems it seems classy. <laughs> yes. It's such a high class drug. More of a pot guy myself, but uh... me as well. <laughs> I would absolutely smoke weed and and fuck a hooker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> My hippie chick hooker. <laughs> right after a hippie massage. Absolutely. So what's, uh, I have a few notes here, things to ask you. What's, uh, do you have your worst hell gig? 
Oh boy. Man, I tell you what, this this Can you gig, it down to one. This gig I did in Alpena last week, the gig itself was was fun. It was like over 100 people and it was like a rural area and you know, simple-minded, you know, rural folks. But the show went well. It was just the drive there was like treacherous. I barely I got there late and then I drove through the night and I oh my god, it was like I didn't think I was going to make it home. But um god, the worst gig. I did a gig in Leelanau or one of those cities by Traverse City up north. Beautiful, especially in the summer, but it was like a, a room in front of <laughs> the the room is set up for like three, four hundred people to sit in there, and then there's like a gaming floor over here that's not separated, so you just hear, you know, uh, the slot machines. And like I said, four hundred seats and there's there's two people, literally one couple sitting up front, and the show time comes around, and the you know the management calls us over, and we think she's gonna be like, hey, we're we're just not gonna do the show, but she says, hey, this is a good time to try your new stuff. <sighs> is it? Do you know how comedy works? How are we gonna gauge? So essentially, <laughs> we just went on stage and talked into the microphone for nobody. Um, man, I did a show. Uh, the show itself is not bad. I'm not shitting on the show. The show is great. Uh, but it was just, I, th- I think I, I got cocky and walked into it thinking that I just knew I was going to do well. I was doing a show in Detroit uh, for some guys. I know it's it, it's uh, urban rooms. It's, it's mostly a black audience, which I've done well in front of before. I did like a club in Milwaukee, which it was mostly uh, a black audience. And, and I know how to kind of, you know, switch things up and and hope that it works but uh man that <laughs> it did not go as well as i wanted it to they were not into me and i then i've got this new bit about how i'm getting older and i've changed my mind about a lot of things and i think i'm gonna start snitching <laughs> they were like literally like vocally like oh hell no Oh, white people be snitching. Like, oh man, I, and I, you, you think I'm doing like a bad like impression of a black person, but that's that's literally what how they sounded and what they were saying. It, it was bad, man. Yeah, I could not get paid and get out of there quick enough. That was like, uh, black audiences are different from well, white audiences. And then they just absolutely, and like you I know said, where you stand with them right away. I've done well because you you become the minority, which in in a in reality that is a, a plus. Yeah, that is an advantage when you are the minority in a room because they they're oh this is different and they just want to hear a different perspective and different point of view and like you know he's goofy he's different but I had to follow the host Josh Adams who's done your show okay. who is the I don't know how he's not famous I know Josh is great he's like that, every that time. they had that Kevin Hart came through Detroit and the the fact that he wasn't on that show I don't know how. Or why that happened? He did my he did the dirty show I I run and book at Laugh House every year. He he just and and he crushes in front of black audiences, white audiences. Y'all stupid. Yeah, and he's just the dude is so funny and charismatic and just like his presence and everything and like the girls like him because he's tall, black, and handsome and and like I guys want to be him. I <laughs> I try to sleep with him. <laughs> And uh, he crushed for like, and I don't just mean like, I'm talking like deaf comedy, like people getting up, and 
slapping knees and he's doing crowd work. So I knew midway through, like, ah, uh, there's no way I'm going to do well. And I was okay with it. That I, I said to some friends, I was like, if I did that show in the beginning, like a one or two or three years in, that's the type of show that would have crushed me. I'd have just been like, why am I that's doing it. this? <laughs> I'm fuck this. I don't want to do comedy anymore. But you just know, like I was listening to Tom Segura has a podcast with his wife, uh, Christina Persinski. And, uh, I probably just butchered her last name, but they were talking about like the shows where you had to follow somebody and you just knew there's no way there's yeah. no, I, I can't follow this. I don't care how successful you are. There's just some comics in certain situations where you're just set up for failure. And that was one of those times where I'm like, you know, chalk this up as a loss. Who cares? At least I'm getting paid. You know? It's like following, you know, Robin Williams and oh, Pride good luck, or man. Chappelle or whatever. It's good like, luck. Yeah. I've heard actually Brody Stevens, rest in peace, was a guy in certain situations where because of his energy and how different he was, like if he he crushed, man, good luck. Because it's just nobody's going to want to see you afterwards. And there's a ton of guys, man. Especially like the real... For whatever, for whatever reason, black comics, man, are so, as a white comic at least, like an earthquake, just, you know, Bruce, Bruce, those types of guys. I, I, I mean, like, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy and all the I don't know where you'd be in a situation where you'd ever have to follow those guys anyway. They're always going to go on last. But, yeah, it's... Even when they're coming up, the you chain, just learn you know, like, hey, it uh, it's not your night. You, you know, you're, you have to just know, like, I'm funny. I know that I'm funny. Uh, this just wasn't my night, you know. And but just it, I just like sitting back off. and watching somebody take over a room like that. They go from zero to sixty, mm -hmm. and just stay there, you know. And it's just right. it's, it's amazing how you could take a hostile audience that might not like the guy that was on before, and all of a sudden, oh, it wasn't them? It was, oh. you know, just yeah. It's it's crazy, man. How some some people, no matter the situation, can just uh, control it, no matter how dead or shitty it is. It really, and I've got to be better about. I think bringing because the audience will match your energy, and sometimes I I get on stage kind of, eh, you know, and that's that's on me. But for the I've most, seen you do nice though, where you 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 own an audience like that though. So right, I'm I, I'm sure that I have. Um, but I was in blackface, though. That's why. <laughs> that was before it was okay is, to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, not so much. That's why I crushed. No. <laughs> they thought you were black. Man. We all have our nights, man. I'm sure there's been people who were like, I don't want to follow him. When I was on stage, if I, if I happened to be doing well, if all the audience was high and drunk enough that night, you know. But, um, yeah, it's that's the crazy part about comedy, man, is no matter how successful you are, you can still bomb. It, I'm sure if you're doing theater shows and people are paying to come out to see you, the chances of you bombing, unless you really shit the bed, are slim. But it's highs to highs, lowest and lows, man. I, I'll have I'll do shows where I'm like, you should have an HBO special. And then the, literally the very next night, you're like, I should jump off a building. And isn't it amazing? Don't you like, it's, what was the difference between yeah. the two nights? I mean, and I'm a guy too, where it's really hard for me to, to figure out why, because I mean, for the longest time, I can't remember the last, and, and I am embarrassed to say this, but I can't remember the last time I went on stage with like a full plan from beginning to end, like a sat list. This is my, like, do I know what my first joke is going to be most nights? 
and I know what my closer is going to be most nights. But everything else in between, man, I let the audience take me where they want to, really. And I've got enough stuff at this point, especially if I'm doing a half hour or even 45 where I can like mix in stuff and take stuff out and I'm just all over the place. And then, and then I, I've gotten where I'm pretty good at riffing and crowd work and that, I mean, that could take up chunks of time. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to know why I'm doing well and why I'm not a lot of nights, which is bad, but. But that's good. You can read an audience. Come on, okay. I got this for that type yeah. of audience, or that for that type of audience. Where some people they Dude. got their set list, and, and I do mean, that no matter who the audience. Sometimes is. open mics, man. People don't realize this either. But not every there's shows that can make you a worse comic. I think that's also an idea that is not 100 percent correct. Is that like all stage time makes you better? Not really. If if you are do, like if you are only doing bar shows or like rural shows, and you're catering to those people and they want to hear hack and it's like not as creative, that can turn you into a, a bar comic or a road hacker or a worse comic. Or if you're doing an open mic in front of three people, how is that going to make? That's just going to ruin your confidence. I mean, if you're just going there for the sheer repetition of of those jokes and you just need to talk into a microphone and you're working on stage presence and just the cadence and all that stuff but like when i do an open mic in front of and there's three people paying attention uh, because i you know can't pay attention for more than two seconds at a time and, and i love to riff i just go into crowd work and then i don't work on the stuff i wanted to and then i don't tell the jokes i wanted to and then that's just a wasted set so some rooms man it, they honestly, I feel like hurt you. Or if you're only ever, there's this batch of comics now too who only perform in front of their like friends and and their people. That's not going to make any better. Of course, like your friends and your audience is going to laugh, of course. But once you're in front of an audience that isn't as big of a WWE fan as you are, then then what are you going to do? Yeah. You know. Or so. you get comics that they want the laughter each time instead of working on something new and not taking that right. chance. So oh. they will do the same set. I, and I, if I'm being completely honest, I will still do that. You you have to become more comfortable with trying new shit and failing than you are with doing your bread and butter old stuff and doing well. And it, a lot of times your pride gets to you because there was times where I'd be at uh, the funnies and like Pagan was on stage. And Pagan... Is, is funny, but gets probably performs less than I do, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah. he, and he'd be crushing. And I'm like, I can't eat shit after, after Pagan, yeah. you know? I mean, I don't want to eat shit after anybody, but the, so I'm just using him as an example of someone I can remember specifically who was doing really well. And I'm like, well, now I have to do well. That That's really what it is. is no matter who it is, you, you're saying, well, I've got to do well. But in reality, you should just go up there and try your new stuff because if you're not developing new material you're just going to do the same shit forever and ever and then you it's so much of what i think i struggled with and still do is just wasting sets you you gotta that's especially if you're not getting on stage as, as much as you'd like to you you've got to take advantage and like gain something from that and, and now i will do new stuff even in like putting it in paid shows because I'm doing more like club work or like paid shows than I am mics now and there's no other time to do it. You have to feel better about just trying that new stuff 
and getting it out there than you do doing the shit you know that works. But there's also a fear of like, you know, I want to come back. That's why you put it in the middle of your set. And a lot of times you, it does do well the first time. So it's... Do they still do like it's the a grading juggle. system? I know they were having that at the, Connections. and The only time you ever get a grade is if you did bad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, unless you just... If there's like people coming up in droves after the show, like we want him to come back and headline or please have him back two times a year. It's yeah. It's gotta be real overwhelmingly positive, which I mean, and you know, when you first start headlining, they'll say like, well, we haven't heard from any of the venues. They want you to headline. Well, that's cause you're not hearing back from them at all. Half the time they're emailing you asking you like, how was the show? How well attended was it and all these things and you're like isn't the shouldn't the venue be telling you this i'm a comic like i write jokes do i have to do everybody's job so yeah they that grading scale i mean very rarely do you even get graded and i mean when it comes to booking you again they kind of do it themselves but it's things have to really go shitty for them to like send them back a, a grade especially like the very next day so just do well so uh, where do you want to go from here on your career? I mean, I, I alluded to it before. I'm uh, a married man now. And um, hey, how's that influenced your comedy? You've been married a little over know, a year, right? I, I do do some marriage material. And when I do it, I feel like a hack because I've seen so many specials. And so there's so many guys who are married. And if I ever have children and I start doing kid material, I'll probably feel the same way. But... Uh, I guess it depends on what it is, though, don't you? Right, and I, I feel like the stuff I do, I do have a, a bit like that references my wife killing me, which is like a very old idea, like, oh, my wife wants to kill, like, but the way I do it, I feel like is original. Um, and all of my bits about marriage, I feel like, are original. So, I mean, as She's long as, quarter. you know... you. I'm always watching uh, Gary Goldman's always has been posting these and tweeting like these tips and, and he's kind of says just avoid subjects that, I, you know, are a hack, um, which makes sense. But like you, how do you not, if you're married, how do you not talk about that at all? It's a very new thing. To it's me. a change I, of I lifestyle. Went, yeah. I went 33 years without being married. So now that I am, of course I'm going to talk about it. Just like if I had children, eventually you're going to incorporate them into your act somehow. Um, but yeah, you and as much as I hate to admit it, you have to be relatable. I mean, and I sometimes I've headlined where the middle somebody will, and this has happened to me when I'm middle, they'd come up and say, you know, they'd tell the headliner they're funny, and then they look at you and be like, I liked you more. You know, I thought you were funny, and you'd be like, you know, but the same thing happens to me now. The, maybe the f feature somebody else had performed with had like a bunch of bits about having kids and they'd be like, I thought you were funny, but I, I liked you more. You were relatable. I have kids. And it's like, okay, that's, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, catering to, to your demographic. That's not who I'm trying to write jokes for, which, which is fine, but you probably have to relate to somebody. It can't be so abstract that nobody has an idea what the fuck you're talking about or nobody can relate, you know? So, but because I don't, really think I it's in the cards for me to move until my wife leaves me or I can convince her to <laughs> go to one of the bigger markets, which isn't completely out of the question. I think if I had an opportunity, if I wasn't going out there on a whim and I had like an actual opportunity, they were like, come out here and 
maybe this can happen. I feel like she would. And 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 it's also not out of the realm of possibility that I would go out there for like a month or two at a time. Um, so eventually maybe I'll have to do that. But for now, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to build a fan base via social media and all that shit. And I, and to continue to write and just get into more clubs. Um, cause for, cause for me here, like I know a TV, you know, credit is probably not going to happen unless I do a festival and somebody discovers me there and through their people, I get on Conan or something, which it's becoming incredibly more and more difficult to get into festivals as an old straight white guy, uh, just because there's enough of us and they've got enough of those spots filled and I don't do anything in my act that's different enough and I don't have uh, enough of a different look to really stand out. It's purely jokes and my jokes apparently aren't, aren't good enough. So I've got to, that's the thing about comedy. You can always get better. I think so I got to write more. I got to get on stage even more and, uh, just try to be as different as I can because there's enough of the same people and there's definitely enough comics. A lot of people need to die. <laughs> well, I, had, I remember I, and I mentioned this in the last podcast. I had one of the guys from the local booking agency. Mm-hmm. I was sitting at the back of the room with him at Grins one night and he just kind of leaned Jerry over. Jerry Donovan? <laughs> yes. Oh, the agency. Agency. And uh, he said to me, he goes, I have 3,000 comics on my A-list. So it's kind of like, it's a way of saying like, yeah, the supply outnumbers the oh, demand. Of course it does. And that's what you think about clubs too. I was thinking about this on the way here actually because I the only funny bone I work is the one in Omaha because unfortunately I, I did like um, a showcase and I didn't get passed. And I mean, it, if you ask me, judging somebody's whole body of work or act on one 10-minute set in front of the audience that night is kind of a stupid way to do it. But um, I worked the one in Omaha and I've been struggling to get her to email me back. I've been there like four or five times, but you know, I might just not be in the rotation this year. Like it's, there's, you think about it, they do comp, they do shows 52 weeks a year, maybe 51, maybe this, depending on when the holidays fall. Um, and I mean, how many comics is there? Headliners and features. Even just in that region, right? So I mean, and grins, they, they I'm sure they're constantly rotating features and headliners in and out. Um, so it's there's so many of us and not a lot of spots, especially good clubs and paid rooms, and that that's that's why you have to stand out. You've got to do something different. Make them. I mean, as a feature or a headliner without credits, they know you're not going to bring people. They're not going to sell out because you're there because you're not a name. But you've got to give them a reason to just to, to book you, you know. A lot of it is, most of it is offstage shit. 90%. It's 10% being funny. And 90% everything else. So get, get good at the other stuff. There's something to be said about being easy to work with and oh, self-promotion. Don't be a, I mean, there's so many. I mean, don't be a drunk. Don't hit on the wait staff. I mean, get if, there early. if one of them approaches you, you know, as Stu used to always say, don't fuck the wait staff. But, I mean, none of the wait staff ever try to have sex with Stu. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, a, if a server approaches you and she, and she wants to, you inside of her, then you, you probably want to make that happen. No, do not have sex with the wait staff unless they're really hot. Um, 
No, you definitely you want to uh, not harass the wait staff. Don't be a creep. Don't get drunk, uh, especially before you get on stage. You don't want to act a fool. And um, but really though, what I was alluding to is just like networking, the 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 befriending of other comics, stuff that I've struggled with in the past and still struggle with. Like I, I've been able to open for so many cool comics and like bigger names that I never thought I would have the opportunity to. And I, I, I struggle at like, I would never like ask a guy for his number or like, you know, can I, I open for you? And a lot of guys don't have a problem doing that. A lot of guys will go out of their way and, 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 and get a guy to, to bring them on the road and shit, which more power to them. Uh, that's uh that's one way to do it. And that, that's cool. I, I would prefer that things would happen more organically. Like the guy legitimately, thought I could be like a buddy of his and that we had things in common. And then, and then he asked me to come on the road. Like I, I would, I would prefer that and not think later down the line, like, does this person really think I'm funny or did I kind of force him into it? Um, but you, it's, it's the emailing, it's the social media stuff. It's, it's networking. It's so much, you know, the politics of it. It's who, you know, Barely any of it. Any of it is who's funny. I mean, that is definitely funny. kind of like the plus. tip of the iceberg, right? And the rest is right. But then you, I mean, you because it's you. You'll see people at clubs that are your level, whether it's feature or headliner, and you know you're funnier than that person. But they they must be doing something you're not, you know. Or maybe they live in the, one of the bigger cities, or maybe they go to that club and show face all the time. And, the, and that club, that staff knows who they are. You know, they they've got in that way. Like there's. There's so many things you can do other than just, you know, being funny. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's that's how the business works. So get with the program, boys and girls, program, boys and girls. And I think on that note, I don't know how long we're running. This will probably end up being two different shows here. So, right. But uh, I'm sorry. I talk a lot. No, that's fine. Plus, that's I did fine. a ton of blow in my car before I came in. Here, <laughs> Hope you so saved I'm me just, some. Was that off the hook or something? Uh, well, I was going to say I did all the blow, but there is still some hooker left in there. <laughs> I hope you cracked the windows for her. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to keep her warm. She's dead. So. <laughs> oh, Right. Yeah, you don't want to have rigor mortis and you won't be able to. Well, anyway. Th- well, thanks for being part of this, Adam. Hey, I thanks for having me, yeah. man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for the vodka. Yeah. Oh, Oops. boy. <laughs> I'm cut off. So it's Brian B. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We'll be back uh, relatively soon with another podcast. Keep and... your heads up, guys. I don't I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to discourage anybody that's, uh, you know, a beginner or somebody that's like a few years in. It's. It is fun, and it is... Uh, it can be rewarding. It's still, I mean, you get to talk and get paid for it, man, or have people's attention, and, uh, you know... You get to work a half hour, hour oh, a day. It's so much fun, man. It's it, There's nothing I'd rather do, so... And then there's the blows, blow in the hookers. So. Oh, oh, so much blow and so oh many dead hookers. Live hookers, I mean. Live <laughs> hookers. Thanks, guys. Thanks.